0: I want to preach a sermon to you this morning entitled After the Shaking, After the Shaking. And uh, we're going to go to Acts chapter 16. I'm going to read you a story and then we're going to make some observations from this story. This will be hopefully a real clear message after the shaking, after the shaking. Let me read you an interesting story. Um, we're not going to be able to get the whole context for sake of time, but Acts chapter 16 and verse 20 is a story about uh, one, of the, one of the most um, talked about figures in the early church is this man named Paul, who at one point was an elite religious leader who actually did not know Jesus or the ways of Jesus. He uh, inflicted uh, religious standards on people, quite literally, and killed Christians. He saw Christians as heretics. Uh, God encounters him, changes his life. He becomes Paul. By the time we meet up with him in Acts 16, he's been doing it for quite quite a few years, and he's very effective. He's very brilliant. He's become one of the lead communicators and thinkers and writers. He'll go on to write more than 50% of the New Testament inspired by the Holy Spirit. Of course, God is the author, but he uses people to write the book. Um, So Paul becomes a pretty central figure in our legacy, in our heritage, and uh, he's a very key player when it comes to doctrine and theology of the New Testament. And it's here, um, he is doing work in a city, and it disrupts the economy, basically, and the town doesn't like it. It says the whole city was in an uproar because of these Jews, they said. They shouted to the city officials, Acts chapter 16, verse 20, 21 now, they're teaching customs that are legal for us Romans to practice. Okay, all this is exaggerated to make a point, but they were preaching Jesus. Free grace, free forgiveness, no religion needed. You don't have to be in the synagogue all the time to be forgiven and loved by God, right? So it was very disruptive because the religious system at the time um, had a lot to do with the economy. Um, You had to pay to get certain animals to sacrifice and what Paul was preaching was gonna disrupt animal sacrifices, for instance. Excuse me, what Paul had started preaching. At one point, he was the opponent of this. And so they said, listen, this is not good. So it says a mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas and the city officials ordered them to be stripped and beaten with wooden rods. So they're naked in front of the whole city. They're being beaten. They were severely beaten, and they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape. So the jailer put them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the stocks. Most historians stuff believe that these dungeons would have been uh, full of uh, sewage. So they're probably, you know, knee-deep, waist-deep in, in human sewage. Uh, so the conditions are not ideal. They're really horrific. Um, and I love how the Bible just does this kind of tells you like, they're in the inner dungeon. You're like, oh, that probably just has like one lamp and like one little bed and cot. No, 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 no. Like this is antiquated, archaic, very difficult conditions. And it just jumps to the next verse and says, Paul and Silas were singing. (laughs) Amazing. You know, and I read that and I'm like, why? Why were they singing? Like I've been through a pandemic with you. Does anyone feel like singing? You know, like, la, 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 oh, my word. You know, like, it's the opposite of what I feel like, but it says around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. I love that statement, the other prisoners were listening. I'm like, well, what else are they going to do? Like, (laughs) talk about a captive audience. All right, tough crowd here, but anyways, um, suddenly, which is uh, a word that, seems to be associated with with a lot of um, what God does. Suddenly, there was a massive earthquake. By the way, I should be careful here. The text never says the earthquake was God's doing. It's kind of assumed, but not, not, not deliberately told to us. There was a massive earthquake, and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open, and the chains of a prisoner fell off. The jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open, and knew that this was the end for him. He assumed the prisoners, of course, had escaped. What prisoners don't, as soon as their chains fall off and the doors open, what kind of prisoners stick around, right? So he assumed pretty safely. So he drew his sword to kill himself because in those days, like, you're, it's, you, you could die anyways for what you've done. And Paul shouted to him, saw him about ready to commit suicide and said, stop, we haven't left we're all still here the jailer called for lights and ran to the dungeon and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas what do you to think about this now in a matter of seconds this jailer has come come from his pompous ease overlooking his secure prison to trembling on his knees before Paul and Silas and he said what do i have to do to be like you guys i've heard your sermons salvation right he, when he says what do i do to be saved you can assume he had heard the message he had heard the story what do i need to do to be to be like you guys and they replied uh, well you have to go to synagogue and you have to give a lot of money and you have to work really hard no they didn't they said just believe in jesus that's interesting again that's very disruptive to the norm of the culture they said you just got to believe just got to accept that jesus is who he says he is and you'll be saved and It'll change your whole house. And so they shared the word of the Lord with him and with all who lived in his household, told him the story. Even at the hour of the night, the jailer cared for them and washed their wounds, and he and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. Brought them into his house, set a meal before them, and he and his entire household rejoiced because they all believed in God. Wow. Amazing story and much to be made of this story, and I'd like to ask for your liberty to take this story that, that in truth um, is quite literally what it's about. But I'd like to extrapolate along with you some observations that I think that can serve us very well in the conditions that you and I find ourselves in. Now, you may read this story and say to yourself like, hey, I, I don't think anybody in here is in sewage and chained up and, you know, beaten to an inch of their life for the gospel. Fair. And yet the conditions that you have been enduring and I have been enduring are exceptional, unusual, and unprecedented. And they haven't been easy. And they have been challenging. One scripture says, whatever can be shaken will be shaken so that what remains is what cannot be shaken. The truth is we have been through a shaking. I said this in the 9 a.m., we talked about hope for the future. Think about who's wondering about their future. My son's sophomore year of high school, it's pretty much a wash. Didn't get to play on the basketball team his sophomore year. Really didn't have much of a sophomore year at all. I think of my niece here who just graduated as a senior from her high school. I won't embarrass her. Like, Judy, you already are. You're pointing in her direction and referencing her. No, no, no. I won't say her name, so you'll never know. My niece Emmy here. But um, (laughs) she graduated from her high school and and by the grace of God, we were, there, there was a graduation. The year before, there wasn't even a graduation. But Emmy's senior year of high school was unprecedented, right? It was a, a fraction of what it normally is. A lot of things have been shaken. Our relationships have been shaken. When you don't see someone for a really long time, it's hard to be close like you once were. How about this? How about we got married not knowing we would be quarantined together? I didn't sign up for that part of marriage. I signed up for like colliding at night after work, you know, like, and sometimes that colliding is just really enjoyable, if you know what I mean. You know, like, wait, we wait, we gotta be together the whole time? Wait, you're not gonna go to work anywhere? Can you can you not have your meeting in bed on your laptop? This is annoying. I'm trying to watch SportsCenter. You know, like then we've been through some shaking, and I realize that a lot of the shaking is what we call first world problems in some cases, but, but don't diminish what you've been through. Don't diminish. A lot of the psychological community is saying, as I've said before, it's gonna take 10 years for us to make sense of and recover from a lot of the trauma that we have endured. It was trauma we were unprepared for, unexpected, and it has affected us emotionally, mentally, spiritually, relationally. It's been some shaking. It's been some shaking. So here's, here is the premise I'm gonna work from for the next few minutes. A lot of people wanna talk about what you do during the shaking, but here's the problem with shaking. You didn't really have a uh, heads up. So once the shaking happens, sometimes it can go like this. Ah! You know, and That's kinda of what you do while it's happening. I'll never forget my first earthquake. I was nine years old in Alaska. My dad was doing a week of revival meetings in Alaska. And I was nine years old. And I remember the trip very vividly because I remember being like two, three, four in the morning going, we could still golf. You know, we could play tennis, dad. Like, this is amazing. It was still, it was, it was amazing. I think it was Anchorage or I forget where it was. Um, so on a sunny middle of the night, you know, that's what it felt like. It was still light out. All of the sudden, this little cottage on the church property started to shake. Now, when you're nine years old and you've only heard of earthquakes, when you're actually in one, it's nothing like they told you, right? And my dad had enough reference to go get under the doorway. I don't even know if that's still like a thing with earthquakes. I don't actually know, but we, we literally got in the doorway. And I'm like, dad, you know, it's just like, and everything you thought was stable, secure, and sure is like rolling like water. Some of you have been in those earthquakes, you know, and you it's like the pavement is going like this. And you're like, it's not reassuring when pavement looks like a lake. This is not good, right? It's like, there's a couple of things we can count on. And usually it's like, it's like this. And so a lot of people will say, hey, during this COVID and pandemic, what did you do? Because what you did during the pandemic will define your future. Not true. I don't believe that. What you do during trauma and tragedy Is overrated the question is what will you do now what will you do after will you change the way you live because of what has happened to you most of us do in trauma we go well I'll never let that happen to me again so I won't do that and I won't do this right this is this is not an indictment this is called human nature it's called human nature once you're hurt by something traumatized by something you find whatever means possible to not let that happen again. It's not what you do during the shaking, really. It's what you do after. After the shaking is done, now what will you do? What will you do? And that's what I wanna ask you. Now, I wanna be very sensitive and careful to say that the shaking is done because in truth, I know I had a friend who was vaccinated and has a 4% chance and contracted COVID again, even after the vaccination. I don't say that to breed fear by any means. I'm just saying, let us be sensitive, caring and considerate to one another. You know, we all have our opinions about what should be done but we don't really know what we're talking about. Is that okay to say? Like David said this, I don't consider, concern myself with things that are too wonderful for me, which is to say like, that's beyond my pay grade. Like, I, I don't actually make decisions from millions of people. If I did, I would, but I don't. So I'm not going to, like, speak beyond the measure of my sphere, right? So a lot of us are like, we should do this, and we should do this. Well, you know, let's leave that to those who it's kind of their, their job. I just want to say I am so grateful that I will never be the president, and I know you are too, okay? So, like, I am just like, there's not enough money in the world, to uh, talk me into that. Like there are certain roles I want nothing to do with. And the reason I'm not gifted grace called capacity. So it's like, I just, let's pray for our leaders and let's trust God. But there's a lot of things we, we, we don't understand and, and, and don't know. So I want us to be careful and considerate of one another. By the way, it's called deference. It's in the Bible. It's considering one another's journey and perspective and culture and context and experience. And it's, it's really important in walking out the love of Jesus. So I realize when I say after the shaking, there's still some shaking happening, so I want you to bear with me if that's okay. I don't want to assume that we're just all in the clear because we all understand that some people are predicting there'll be a resurgence or whatever, and and again, I'm not trying to breed fear, I'm just trying to breed sobriety so that we're honest and we're, we're careful and caring one for another. But as we perceive this coming to a close, Somebody say amen. As we believe this extraordinary, unprecedented season is coming to a close, what will you do now? What will you do now? Well, I'll just do what I always did. I don't know if that's realistic. What will you do now? Some stuff has been shaken. Things that we thought were sure. Things that we thought were true and accurate have been shaken. What do you do after the shaking? Now, again, this is not a perfect parallel, Acts chapter 16, and any, any preacher, exegeter, or communicator, or teacher who takes a scripture like this and then applies it to COVID-19 needs to be honest to their audience and say, this isn't a perfect parallel. But there are some principles at play here through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in the person of Jesus that I think we can learn about our conduct as Jesus followers. What do you do after a massive earthquake? What do you do after a massive shaking? Well, here's some normal things we do. Um, We search. We start to question everything. We start to wonder like, well, what is true? What is sure? What can you count on? Maybe you can't count on anything. And so disenfranchisement settles in at a very profound level. And suddenly, like you, I've had conversations with people that basically are, I can summarize our conversation with disenfranchised. It's just a general sense of, and trust me, I get it. I understand it. In some cases, I'm like, that's pretty accurate. It's like, what can you count on? Who can you trust? What should I do? For some of you, your decisions are going to impact your children, your children's children. Well, where should I live? How many conversations have you had? Well, I think we all just kind of need to move out and live in the country and farms. Okay. I think we all need to go back to the cities and serve people. Okay. Right? I mean, I've lost count of the different conversations I've had and what everybody feels. Do you know how many people have told me like, man, if I were you, I'd get out of Seattle and LA, I'll tell you that much. And I'm like, oh, that's where like, we actually like, I I follow Jesus. So like my life is like a missionary. So where it's it's bad and there's been a lot of upheaval, like that's where we go. People don't like that answer because they're like, well, are you better than me? Oh, no, 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 that's not what I meant. I'm just saying like, you keep like, making fun of my cities that I love. So you know, I just want you to know that's where I live and I love the people there. So could you not do that anymore? And then don't talk about the Seahawks because then we'll start fighting. You know, like <laughs> these are my people. You are my people. I love the West Coast. I love Seattle. I love what's happening in our church. We got church at home all over the world in different languages. And it is so exciting as we continue to grow and launch. And it's amazing. But I'm from here, man. Right, so like one more person tell me that I should move out of Seattle and LA and I might scream just a little bit because where there's a problem, where there's pain, that's, that's what we're going to be, right? What, what do we do now? And maybe you haven't even thought of that. What am I going to do now? Can I encourage you? I don't want to go back to 2018. Is that okay to say? And here's why, because God doesn't work like that. If we were supposed to go back to the way things were, 2021 would turn into 2018 on the calendar. But it doesn't. I'm not trying to insult your intelligence. This is very obvious. It becomes 2022. God invented linear time and space. Do you know that? He invented it. It was his creation. And one of the reasons I think he invented it was to keep us moving forward. Forward. We're going to move forward. Forward. Now, the ascending helix is real. Some of you know what I'm talking about. I don't have time to explain it. But in the narrative of scripture, it's, you know, how people say what goes around comes around. That's one way to describe how the ascending helix of God works. But it's always moving upward and onward. But there are truths that are resurfaced and there are things that have happened. And so you kind of feel like history is repeating itself. But make no mistake, God has history moving like this. And so we're moving forward. So I'll say this about what we do now. What we do now is not wish to go back. What we do now is we face forward and trust the God who holds our future. We're gonna go forward. Your family's gonna go forward. Your career is gonna go forward. Your faith is gonna go forward. God's plans for you are forward. God has not taken you out this far to take you, somebody help me preach, to take you back again. No, he brought you this far to take you into what he has prepared and planned for you and for your family. Man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. So let the director interrupt your regularly scheduled program. What are we going to do now? And this is where this story comes in, and it fascinates me, and I hope that you see it, because I just saw it the last couple of days, and I was struck by it again. Paul and Silas preach the gospel, and it costs them dearly. Physically, emotionally, mentally, they're exposed, they're humiliated, uh, they're, they're stripped naked in front of a whole city and a whole town, they're beaten with wooden rods, and then they're thrown into what's most likely, you know, waist deep human feces, and they're shackled with chains. Okay, this is a difficult moment. Now, I don't know why or how or if they, like, talked themselves into it, but we're just told they started to pray and sing. And I just really don't like that part because I'm like, that's unfair. These guys seem like superheroes. I mean, this is, what is this guy, Iron Man? Like, how are they singing and praying? Except that sometimes things get so difficult, there's only one option. They have to go to God. Anybody ever been there? You're like, well, I've ran out of options. Talked to my boss, tried to get my job back, tried to figure it out, tried to forge a career, don't know what I'm doing, don't have a job, don't know where I'm going to get a job, applied to multiple jobs, been turned down, not even called back. So I, uh, God, right, that happens. They're singing. And then if, uh, forgive me for assuming on the text, I would assume what they're praying for kind of happened, right? Like, I don't know what you'd pray for if you were shackled, naked, beaten, and in human feces, but I would pray something like this Get me out of here! Wouldn't you? Like, that's what I've prayed during the COVID 19 season. Get us out of here! God, spare your people, spare life. Please help this disease, whether man-made or whatever, just help it stop, Lord, please, please. Right, that's in our prayer. So they pray, and it seems, we don't know for sure, but it seems that the earthquake probably is in response to their prayer. And their wildest dreams have come true. The doors fling open. The shaking is so severe, their chains fall off. Oh, and by the way, the other prisoners who are listening because they have nothing else to do, the same happened to them. Wouldn't that be an indication to you that God is saying, now get out of here? Wouldn't that be, wouldn't your mind, I'm just trying to be really honest right now, just as human beings, if you were in a prison in these conditions and after asking God to help, an earthquake happened, your doors fling open and everything's changed, wouldn't you literally silence let's go. And the prisoners are like, where are you going? We're like, I don't know, but follow me onward and upward. We're out of here. Right. And the last thing I'd be concerned with, I don't think this is popular, but I'm going to say it is the guy who kept me in there. I'd be like, deuces, bro. Peace. Like I'm out. Like clearly God has said, leave my child, be free. Well, then, isn't that why the story's weird? The the sheriff, if you will, the marshal, if you will, there, realizes the doors are open. He assumes that they will do what every other prisoner has done. And that is when given any kind of opportunity to get out of the situation, they're gone. And Paul yells out, we're all still here. What I want to yell back is, why? Hey, don't kill yourself, we're here. Okay, thank you. Why are you still here? Do you want to be here? We're still here. I don't know what happened. Someday we'll see the video in heaven, but like, did he convince the other prisoners to do the same? Like, guys, we're not gonna leave yet. We're gonna, or did some of them take off? We don't know for sure, but we know that Paul and Silas, as Jesus' followers, didn't leave where they were after the shaking, after the imprisonment, after the challenge. They they stayed. Um, I'm reminded of a verse that says, be still and know that I'm God. Just be still. I think when God starts to move, and I want to say this about COVID-19, God is going to take what the enemy meant for evil, and he's going to work it together for good because he is good, and all he does is good and he always acts good because he is good through and through, so he will turn this for good. Through the tragedy and the loss and the pain, he will. It's, some of you lived long enough with Jesus to know that's what he signature move of Jesus. He just makes it good. But when I start seeing God kind of like opening doors and breaking chains, I'm always like, let's go, let's get out of here, right? Like. And Paul and Silas say, like, no, let's, um, let's just stay right here for a second. Wait, what? Let's, let's just be still. And I think oftentimes at the end of very difficult seasons when things start, we see it as an opportunity to kind of get stuff back. And here's what ensues. It's this little word in the New Testament called striving. What is striving? Striving in my definition, I'll just put it in my words for sake of time, striving is this, striving is when you assume the captaincy of your own ship and you start trying to make things happen that is supposed to be God making it happen. Well, Judah, what's the fine line? That's between you and the Spirit of God. Well, I'm gonna turn in my resume, okay? I think you should pray about it. Well, how will I know? I think you'll know when you your knower. Well, well, what do you mean? I think in the same way you were designed to breathe, you were designed to hear from God. How much do you think about breathing? Hopefully a little bit because deep breaths help a lot, you know. But anyways, that's another, that's another point. It's people tell me about Wim Hof. Get into cold water and breathe deeply for 40 times. I'm like, 40 times? I'm trying to stay in here for four seconds, you know. Well, Wim Hof can breathe deeply for four. I'm like, I don't even know how to spell Wim Hof, okay? But, like, you were made to hear from God. Did you know that? I know we, we, we do teachings on how to hear from God, except that hearing from God is more intuitive than anything else. And tested by Scripture, of course, but I think there are things that we might be doing already that's kind of stressing us out, kind of causing worry and angst, that maybe we're supposed to just be still before we step out. Just be still. Wait on the Lord, and He shall renew your strength. And you'll mount up with wings like eagles. You'll run and not grow weary. You'll walk and not faint. Wait. Be still. I am. The trend that I'm seeing in our church and in interactions I'm having is there's not a lot of people right now you have to be like, hey, you should actually do something. I'm talking to Christians now for a moment. A lot of Christians right now are like, okay, we're gonna, we're gonna like, come on, we're gonna go do. And what I'm not seeing as much of is I'm just going to kind of wait here and ask God, what is he doing in my city? What's he doing in my neighborhood? What's he doing with my friends? God, I'm just going to be still. Yeah, but look, the doors are open. Everything's come on. You got to go. Yeah, but it's not where I'm going as much as it's about people. Like, I'm just going to stay here for a second. Now, Paul and Silas eventually left the prison area, by the way. Let that be an encouragement to you. God didn't say, now live in the sewage, <laughs> right? And never take a shower. No, 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 You know, like they, they eventually went to his house. They got all cleaned up, and then they went on their journey. But they weren't in a rush. They weren't striving. They were still there. Are you still here? I don't really even mean the church. I mean, just are you, everybody's making decisions. Now, Dr. Molly Jensen, Molly Busher is right here. She's one of Chelsea and I's counselors. By the way, her husband, Dr. Busher, is also our naturopath doctor. This is free advertising for our doctors who keep us healthy. Dr. Busher, between services might've been, I blame him for being a little late on stage, but I got a shot right about here of, uh, what is it again that I get? B12. Thank you very much. B12. Um, Just for energy and strength and that. And Dr. Molly will tell you with her 12 master's degrees, I've lost count how many degrees she has. It's true. She's a genius that, that in trauma, we don't make a lot of good decisions. That's not usually when it's like, when people get traumatized, that's when they make the best decisions. No, it's usually like, Shaking's going on, and the shaking stops, and we're like, oh thank God. Come on, come on, kids. Come on, we're going to Dallas. <laughs> right? We're getting out of we're getting out of the west side. We're going to the east side. We're getting out of the east side and we're going to Spokane. Come on. You know, like why? Because this is our one chance. I see a window. I think right after the trauma. Right after the pain, what I think we should do is be still. Scan the horizon, God, what are you... No striving, no stress. Can I ask you a really simple question? Why are you in such a hurry right now? What are you hurrying for? You know what's wild about God? Let this just sink in for a second. Do you know what God never is? I said never in a hurry. Now, I have told him multiple times he should be sometimes. I really have. I'm like, this would be a really good time to be in a hurry, God. You ever felt like you're out in front of God and you're like, one? on. We're moving to Austin. Let's go with everybody else. Be still. Your captain is not in a hurry. Your commander in chief is not wringing his hands. <laughs> okay, stop praying. I'm stressed out. You're asking too much. It's too much. I don't really know what to do. He sits in the heavens and he laughs at those who think he doesn't know what he's doing. The earth is his Ottoman. Be still. June. Then there will be July. And there will be August. But we're still here. Taylor's like, What? Yeah, we're the we're the peculiar people on the planet that don't move until God says. Yeah, but. Everyone leaves when the prison chains and doors open. Yeah, we, it's not really how we see it. Don't you want to run and be safe? Safety's overrated in our relationship with our God. It's, oh. So I think we should be still. I, I, and the next point is just already, we're already talking about it. And then be still here. Before you go there, just stop and be still here. There will still be there, but just be here. Before you leave your neighborhood, just be in your neighborhood for a few days. And just say, God, is there anything left you want us to do in this cul-de-sac? I know we're packing up our house and we are out of here, man. Hi, if I have learned anything about COVID, it is not safe to be in densely populated areas. We're getting out of here. But just be still here for a second. What do you want to do? I want to search. I want to search. I don't know about you, but as soon as the shaking's over, you want to search. I remember at nine years old, I'm in Alaska, and the shaking was over. And all of a sudden, you're, I'm looking at my dad. And I'm like, Daddy, is it over? And he's like, it's over, son. And then you kind of want to just kind of start running around going, look at everything that broke. This is crazy. This is wild. And it's amazing. You go from, like, paralysis to, like, manic At least I did at nine years old. You're like, under the the doorway. You're like, no, dad, dad. And then it's done. He's like, it's done. You're like, this is crazy, dad. Look at this place. It's just wild. It's called our nature. But I think what God wants us to do, even when the shaking's over, no striving, no searching. I love what Paul writes to Timothy in one of his letters. I think it's first Timothy. He says, um, there's a genuine faith that's been passed down to you, Timothy, from your grandmother. Don't go searching for what you already have. I passed it down, Timothy. Do you know why Paul wrote that to Timothy? Because Timothy's church was growing so large, he was being criticized by his own Christian friends. And Paul said, you listen to me. What God gave you has been passed down generationally. Don't you go searching. I've given you all things pertaining to life and godliness. Isn't it funny? All of a sudden the shaking's over and we're like, I need more than I have. I, I, there must be more. I have to get more. I need more. I don't have enough. We've got to go. Something, something has to change. Something has to change. How many conversations have you had with people like, things are so bad? Cancel culture. We Let's just stop having conversations about cancel culture. Let's just see what it is. It's cancel culture. It's real, and God's bigger. You know, like I, <laughs> you know it's bad when the late night shows, I was watching Jimmy Fallon. If that offends you, this may not be the church for you, but I was watching Jimmy Fallon, and one of the jokes now on late night is like, I forget what the segment was, but he's like, or we can sit around with each other and talk about how bad cancel culture is. I'm like, okay, listen, when the late shows are making jokes about how many of us are having conversations about cancel culture, Christians, can we collectively calm down? Well, you know, cancel culture. I just don't like cancel culture. If we talked about Jesus as much as cancel culture, it might help us. Like I get it, cancel culture. There's always been weird things in culture that hurt people. And listen, I want to focus on Jesus and making a difference and loving people and going where it's bleak and difficult and challenging and people are being overlooked and marginalized. Like that's where we're gonna go. Cancel culture. We're just gonna we're gonna be the difference. We're gonna be the difference. We're gonna be the difference. We're gonna be. People've been canceling people my whole life. Guess what God doesn't do? Cancel people. So let's just keep following Jesus. But but I think in these days we're like we need more. I just need to get, I need to get, need to get more. I just need to get more God, more God. And we start to strive and search. And God's like, be, be still, I got you. By no means am I propagating or promoting today that some sort of indifference or lazy living or people like, you know, see us just hanging out Hey, what are you doing? Being still, man. Knowing that he's God. You know, you're not doing anything for anybody. And you're like, what are you doing, man? I heard a great sermon. It's called After the Shaking. You know what you're supposed to do after the shaking? Nothing. It's the best. It's what it's what our church is about, man. We're not going to do anything now. It's like, I don't, that's eh, not really what I was trying to say. but But right after, man, we've got ourselves all worked up and It's so funny is how we typically get ourselves worked up is opinions about the shaking. Have you noticed, like, I won't be worked up at all, but then I'll get in a conversation where we start exchanging opinions, and all of a sudden, a new opinion I've never preconceived starts to come out. Has this happened to you? Well, you're like, yes. And you know, Leeson, what I think, Leeson Storsley right here, been a part of our church for 112 years. You know what, Leeson? You know what I think? And and I don't know what I think yet. You ever have one of those conversations? Well, you know what I think about COVID? I think, and then you're like, what do I think? I don't know, but we're having an opinionated conversation. So then you like, yeah. And then you say your opinion and you're like, that's really good. I totally believe that. It's terrible what's happening out here. People are so bad. And then you're like, you get in your car and you're like, that was a really good coffee. I, I think, what did we talk about again? how bad things were, how silly people are, how bad politicians are, and how much more we should do this or that. And I think our church should do this. And that's what I think we should do. And then we drive home and we're like, did that produce righteousness, peace, or joy? It was one of my dad's favorite little gauges. Whatever you do should produce righteousness, peace, and joy. You can't produce your unrighteousness, but it should remind you that you are righteous because of Jesus. You know how many conversations I'm having right now that don't bring me joy, that you certainly don't bring me peace, and they definitely don't remind me of my gifted righteousness. They remind me a little bit more that somehow I've earned this and I'm elite and I'm better than people. That's my own conversations. It's just the norm trajectory of a conversation. Now it's just like, yeah, I think we should, yeah, I think, and then the church should do, and you know, the White House and you and that, and we should do this. Yeah, totally. It's terrible. All right, man, well, see a church. And you're like, wait. And you read Acts 16 and you're like, why? Why is Paul and Silas like singing and praying? Then they get the answer to their prayers and they don't go anywhere. They stay there and they help people. I don't want to do that. I want to go online and criticize people. I want to write a new blog about the jailer and the dumb prison that tried to keep me, but God broke me out. We're still here. Why? God has us here. What I'm about to say, just bear with me. See, I am persuaded that Paul and Silas believed that God even had a plan for them in prison. Now, you're like, Judah, of course. Really? Then does God have a plan for our country? Does God have a plan for our economy? Or is it dependent on us? Because the conversations we're having, or at least that I'm having, sounds a lot more like God's in heaven going, I have given the United States of America over to its people. Man, nothing I can do. It's up to you guys. And so, so Paul and Silas were persuaded that they were even, though it was unjustly and it was wrong, that they were in prison and that God had a plan. And after the shaking, they were like, maybe there's more to the plan. We're just going to stay here for a second wonder what God, whatever else God's going to show us. Oh, he's going to kill himself. Hey, so, hey, hey, bro, don't kill yourself. We're here. He is so dumbfounded at the fact that they're not running from the prison. He runs in, drops to his knees, and essentially is like, I don't know why you're still here. I've never met anyone like you guys. Certainly never met any prisoners like you. So what you have told this city, which got us in an uproar, it's on the front page of the newspaper, tell me more about that. Because all I hear is opinions. But from you, I see genuine care and concern. You stop me from killing myself, and yet I'm your captor? Tell me more. They're like, oh, bro, it's simple. All you gotta do is Believe. And you're probably pretty persuaded now because the earthquake, we thought it was just about us getting out of prison, but we're pretty sure now that the earthquake is about you getting saved and your whole family. Wait, what? Yeah, so the earthquake we know now, according to scripture, wasn't just about Paul and Silas getting out of the sewage or getting out of the chains or getting their wounds mended and healed. It was also about Wait, wait, what? God wants to save Republicans? God wants to save Democrats? Wait, who'd you vote for? Oh, well, then I know who you are. I know who you are. That's what we've come to. God, bring us out of prison. Yes, we're out. See, Mr. Jailer, you voted for the wrong guy. Let's go. I mean, are they not opponents? Here's my question. Are they not opponents? Paul and Silas and the prison guard? are they not? Are they are they not playing for two different teams? However you define that? And yet the man playing for the other team, God's like, "Oh, you're so cute, Paul and Silas, you think this is just about you getting out of prison. I actually want to save the one who put you in prison." Wait, what? Yeah. The whole earth is mine Ha. <laughs> and I love everybody in it. Well, not, not the Democrats, right, God? Not the Republicans. You don't like the Republicans. They're all about money. Yeah, I love her. I love everybody. Well, I just met my neighbor. I don't know if you know this, but you wouldn't believe who they voted for. <laughs> Someday we're gonna enter into eternity and we're gonna go, oh man. Dang it. It wasn't about like what I spent a lot of hours a day on. God didn't really care. Well, you know, our neighbors, they have a lot of tattoos. I smelled our neighbors smoking weed. I did. They're probably going to offer it to our children. Right? And we... And I'm not trying to make you laugh. I'm trying to talk about like real, real stuff. We, we think like, Paul's like, we're still here, man. We love you. It's all good. He's like, then tell me what's different about you. Cause I ain't never seen prisoners like you guys. And he's like, bro, you never believe it. All you got to do is receive it. Let's go to your house. We'll tell your family. We'll baptize you tonight. Do you know the Bible says they stayed up all night? Do you know that? They stayed up all night till the sun came up. Why? Passion, love. We're busy passing people on our way to church, passing people on our way to mission, plan, purpose, career, everything God has. And he's like, I got you right here, but I got you right here, I got you right here. Just be here, just be here for a minute, just be here. And and my last point is very simple and I'm done. It's, It's be still, it's be still here, and it's be still helping. I have noticed that after the shaking, what a lot of us are prone to do is go seek safety and comfort. Okay, Judah, I appreciate your sentiment and your missional preaching and everything about reaching people and loving people, but I have to protect my children. That is number one. So you can do that 100% of the time. You can protect your children 100% of the time. Sounds like you're the God of your children. So I'm like, you know, Judah, when you when you're not here live, the sermons are a little nicer. I will say that. <laughs> Am I the only one that's like, I would I need to be God for my kids. Anyone know what I'm talking about? So I'm just kind of like, nope, that's my kids. Nope, you can't, nope. I felt like God told me today, hey, you're raising adults. You're not raising teenagers. My focus is not what they are at 16. It's what they're going to be when they don't have you to walk with them every day. That's what you're, that's. You know what parenting is? It's a microcosm of how God, it's just what he teaches us. He's like, Judah, these are your babies for a real short time. And then you hand them off to me. And they gotta go live in the world. <laughs> my mom still says, and I know I'm gonna tell my kids, you don't call me enough, says every parent ever. Why? Because his parents were like, Hey, where are you going? I love you, I'm gonna protect you. Oh no, 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 no gambling for you. Oh, no, we don't smoke cigarettes. Nope, we don't. Oh God, no tattoos. And then our kids grow up and they're adults, and we're like, call me, call me. I literally have to tell my mom, mom, I'm 42. I'm 42, mom, think about it, 42. Like it's, I'm a grown man, like a long time ago. And that's not because my mom's just normal. You're a parent and you're like, I gotta protect my son. Mom, it's time for me to protect you. Like I'm 42, but we wanna, (laughs) I gotta protect my kids, number one. I don't think you can all the time. What are you suggesting? absent parenting? No, totally the opposite. But I'm suggesting that you trust God. God, trust you with my kids, trust you with their path. You're in control. And we we want safety more than we want to serve the purposes of God. Judah, why do you say that? Oh, that's coming from me. I didn't hear any stories about you. So you are like, Did someone tell him that we're moving to Austin? No, 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 no. And you probably are supposed to move to Austin and God's called you and it's awesome. So please don't. People hear me make statements and they're like, I, I am moving to Pensacola, Florida. Why did you say that? You know, like, no, it's awesome. But, 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 like, but, like, be helping. Let's get our kids involved in the mission. Let's get our kids involved in the great rescue mission of the world. Let's show them what life's all about. It's about giving your life away to find it. Words of Jesus, not mine. Let's be still helping. Do we not know our legacy? Do we not know our heritage? In pandemics and plagues in the past, do some history, you'll discover, you know where the Christians are in the plagues? Do you know where the Christians are in the diseases? Do you know where the Christians are in the wars? Do you know where the Christians are in governmental upheaval? Look at our history. Look at church history. Do you know where you most often find Jesus followers during the most uncertain and upheavals of continents and countries and towns and villages? Do you know where we typically are? If you read our history book, If you read about our heritage and our legacy and our lineage, we are oftentimes walking in the exact opposite direction of the culture. And I don't mean not on Instagram. I mean walking towards the plague, walking towards the pandemic, walking towards the pain, walking towards the injustice, walking towards the marginalization, walking towards it, going, where is it? Let's go, kids, come on. That's where we're going. Dad, what happens if it gets on us? We're going to trust God. We're not going to be reckless. We're not going to be prayerless. We're going to trust God. We're going to be still. We're going to wait. But then we're going to assess the situation. We're going to listen to his voice. And we're going to ask him, where can we help? God, now send us there. And everybody wants to go to India. Nobody wants to go two houses down. God, show us where to help, and that's what we'll do. That's what we'll do, and I'm done, and I'm done, and I'm done. I promise I'm done. Sermon is over. It's a very short one when you consider Easter, and July 18th will be much shorter, but that's a lie. Let's be honest. But you ever um you ever have kids or grandkids and, I said this at the 9 a.m., and when you're walking out the door, they they grab your leg and they're like, Daddy, don't leave. Mommy, don't leave. Please, Papa, Grammy, Grandma, don't leave. I want you to stay. And you're like, I gotta go, buddy. I gotta go. That's kind of how I view my relationship with God right now. I just wanna go where you're going. That's it. I just, and the cool thing about God, he's not like, well, I have to leave you. No, I literally have to go. He's like, I love this so much. Come on, this is going to be the best. I'm like, okay, I just, wherever you want me to go, that's where I want to go. Here? Okay, I'll be here. So you opened doors and you broke all the chains so that I could stay here for now, okay? What do you want me to do? I want you to help your opponent. The liberals, God? God, the super wealthy, selfish conservatives? who do nothing to help people? God, what it, don't make me a friend with a Republican, God. Oh God, not a Democrat, no God. Isn't it silly? Isn't it silly? Isn't it silly? Oh, it is. I want you to love the man outside the prison who put you there. Yes, sir. It's funny because for Paul and Silas, that didn't seem very odd at all. If I was Paul and Silas, I would have inserted into the story as the jailer runs into the dungeon and falls on his knees in the sewage and says, tell me more. I would have said, are you shocked we didn't leave? Do you know why we didn't leave? Because we listened to the voice of God. And God said to stay. So that you, sir, might be saved. (laughs) Paul and Silas are like, what else are we going to do? Just follow the spirit of God. Don't kill yourself, bro. We're here. Why? Because we're supposed to be. What do you want to do? Well, tell me more. All right, let's go to your house. Stay up all night. You can be baptized. We'll tell your kids, your wife, everybody. It'll be awesome. Oh, okay. Okay. And then the guy's like, well, I could like help bandage you up where I hit you. Oh, that'd be nice. Thanks. Sorry about that. Eh, I understand. Uh, I mean, am I the only one that reads Acts 16 and go, that's a little different than some of the Christianity I'm living? Can you help me with that? Because I'm down here striving and searching and seeking safety and comfort. That's the conclusion of my sermon. Here's what I wanna do once COVID is completely over. I wanna start making it happen. I wanna start searching for something more, and then I wanna seek safety and comfort above all. That's what I want to do, in case you didn't, in case you were wondering what this pastor wants to do. I wanna be like, okay, where is safety? Let's go get stuff we don't have and didn't have before and so that's why it was bad and then let's um, do more. Let's just do more. Let's do more. And God's like, be still. Be still here and then ask me how you can help. Okay? Okay. Okay. Some of you have been saying this in your prayers and now I'm prophesying but it sounds just like I'm preaching so bear with me. Some of you have been saying this in your prayers. God, Show me what to do. And God's response is, on behalf of God, I'll be bold enough to tell you what I feel prophetically God's telling me to tell you. I already told you. No, you didn't. Yeah, remember when you moved to Seattle? I told you. Remember when you moved into that condo? I told you. Remember when you moved into that cul-de-sac? I told you. God, show us where to go. I did. Oh, well, but we've been in this home for like two years straight, like never leaving. Like we, we want to go somewhere else. I know, not, not, not now. But you want us to love the neighbor that at the last barbecue we had, we got in an argument over politics. You want me to love him? Can we just get new neighbors we can start new with and they can think that we're really nice and friendly? I don't want to befriend the neighbors we've gotten in fights with. That's, 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 that's not fun. And God's like, what did I tell you? So what should I do? Bake them cookies and say you're sorry and ask them to forgive you for arguing. But I'm right. God, my neighbors don't know you. So I know I'm right and they're wrong. Come on, I you, you know I'm talking to you and I'm talking to me. Let's be here. Come on, church. He already told us what to do. If he wants us to go somewhere, else, he's gonna make it clear. In the meantime, let's be still. I love that phrase, and I'm done. I'm done. This is it. Be still and know that I am God. Translation: Be still and know that you're not God. And here's what happens when we're not still: we start to pretend we're God. And then I'm going this. Don't touch that. Stop. Okay, yep. And we turn into controller. Yeah, that's good. All right. All right. Get in the car. Kids, come on. We're getting. Babe, let's go. All right. Got everything? Got... All right. Just driving, man. Be still. I'm the only one right now, like, being still kind of stinks right now. Because you're still and you're like. Oh, this world is wild. And then you're like, now I'm overwhelmed because I was still enough to assess what's really going on in the world. I was at dinner last night in Miami, Florida with Rich and Don Cherie Wilkerson, who pastored the great, great church that you helped start, Boo Church, thousands of people, it's amazing. And 10 miles down the road, 156 people are still missing in rubble. And when you get still enough, you go, oh, God have mercy. What do you want us to do? What he do wants to do, God. Be still. And remember, you're not God. You're not the God of your children. You're not the God of your business. You're not the God of your marriage. You're not the God of your own life. Be still and know that I'm God. And I'm really good at being God. What do you do after the shaking? Whatever you do, don't make quick rash, monumental decisions for your life. Be still. And the path of the just will grow brighter and brighter to the coming day. Let me prophesy to your future. What's ahead of you is going to exceed your prayers and your dreams. It may not be the billion dollars you were praying for because that billion might destroy you. It might be the thousand dollars you didn't specifically pray for when you prayed for a billion, but it will exceed what you thought you wanted. And it will blow you away what God will do. I want you to imagine with me, and if the band could join me, because if the band joins me, then we will know that the sermon is over. And we can look at the tattoos of the drummer. So. Wouldn't it be cool to be a part of a church where everybody is patient, no striving, and there's a stillness. Now, now translate that a little bit. Wouldn't it be cool to be in a neighborhood where you had neighbors that were still, peaceful, patient, wouldn't it be great to get into conversation with someone who's peaceful, patient? How are you guys doing? Well, you know, a lot's going on. And instead of engaging in the pin, you go, Tell me more. Oh, that's great. You know, listening doesn't mean that you're learning something new, it means that oftentimes you're just adding value to people. That's why God listens. God doesn't listen to learn. <laughs> Now, God, I'm going to tell you a couple things you need to do. Oh, you are adorable. (laughs) No, you're not, ever. Well, then why are you listening? I love you. Tell me more. It's fun to hear your heart. Wouldn't it be refreshing in 2021 to have conversations with people like that? Wow, so you're really into the Democratic Party. Yeah, I'm a big Republican. Tell me more. Well, what are you? Ah, just tell me more about you. Really, that's who you voted for. Tell me why. Well, who'd you vote for? Ah, Come on, I want to hear more about you. If you have those conversations, tell them you come to this church. If you have the other kind of conversations, tell them you don't go to church. (laughs) Come on, let's be the difference. Let's demonstrate righteousness, peace, and joy in our neighborhoods and our communities. God, we thank you so much for what you're doing. We thank you for the truth of Scripture. We thank you, God, for the heritage we have and the likes of Paul and Silas who knew you in such a way that even after the earthquake, they trusted you to stay where they were. Help us in these unprecedented, unheard-of days of 2021 to be who you have called us to be, to be where you have called us to be. If you're here today and you said, Judah, I would like to become a follower of Jesus. I would like to receive the forgiveness that only Jesus offers. You don't earn it or deserve it. Just like Paul and Silas said to the jailer, said to the prison guard, they said, just believe, just believe, just believe, just believe. That's all you got to do today. You just got to believe. To believe is to receive. To receive that Jesus is at all the work for you that you couldn't do for yourself. Jesus became sin so that you could become the righteousness of God in Christ. Jesus, Jesus earned it all. Jesus did it all. Jesus paid it all. Now all you gotta do is accept it. All you gotta do is receive him. If you would like to receive the free gift of forgiveness that only Jesus offers on the count of three, I want you to shoot your hand up all over the auditorium. One, two, three. If that's you, just shoot your hand up and say, that's me. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. you. Anybody else? I wanna receive the free forgiveness that only Jesus offers. God, I thank you for every hand which represents every heart that is forgiven now forever. All of your past, present, and future error, wrong, and sin is forgiven in one moment of receptivity, one moment of faith. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And we thank you for all that you've accomplished and all that you're doing. And we declare over church home that what you started in this church, what you started in this community, you will be faithful to complete it. We love you and we trust you and we worship you in Jesus name, in Jesus name. If you're able and willing, would you stand to your feet and join me and let's join the band now and let's use music as a platform to connect with our God. Come on church home.